0: May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we have been talking about how we can seek the kingdom above all things. And we've been talking about why that's so important, that it's kind of a different reality that we live in. If we know that God is king, if we know that God is real and he loves us and we are precious to him, it changes your nervous system. It changes the way you approach this world with all of the anxiety and fear that this world presents itself. And we have been talking a lot in the past few weeks about this kingdom reality within us. And that's a really important thing. We're going to continue talking about that because we do want the kingdom to get within us and we've been using this picture as a way of kind of describing kingdom reality because it's here it's all around us you know and it's meant to be a reality like like water right like it's immersive you know but the thing with water is that you know you're going to get wet if you get immersed in something the water gets everywhere and so we want to get the kingdom and this reality that god is king excuse me i'm going to sneeze (laughs) <laughs> excuse me, something else got inside of me. Oh, sorry, dust, whoa. <laughs> uh, that was so not satisfying. I didn't get a good sneeze. It might come later, I'm just warning you. <laughs> Trying to cover the mic. <laughs> but yeah, this idea that, that we want this kingdom reality to get inside of us. We want the Holy Spirit to get inside of us. We want what we call the reign of God, right? What God desires to be true. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want that reality within us. God, how do you desire us to be, right? How do you desire us to be able to face the world and all of these things? And this is so important, right? But friends, at the same time, I do want to recognize that there are different kind of levels of kingdom building. It's not just about what's happening within us. It's got to be something that we bring out to the world, right? And for some people, actually, that's what they emphasize more than anything. Well, probably the thing people most uh, (laughs) uh, uh, emphasize is what happens after you die, right? And we haven't talked that much about that yet. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. But friends, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to say is like, yes, the kingdom will be after you die, you will be with God forever. Amen. Hallelujah. It's wonderful, right? But the kingdom is also for how you live here on earth. Right. And so, yes, we do want to get the kingdom inside of us. And that's going to change, you know, the way that we uh, uh, approach our spiritual disciplines and our habits in this alone time that we have with God. But it's also going to affect how you are with other people. Right, And so one level of kingdom building that we've already been talking about is this personal uh, dimension, right? The, the rightness in your internal world, the healing and letting go of hurt and living in a peace, joy, love, faith, and hope and aligning with God's word, with the logos, particularly in your humility and your willingness to obey God's love, right? All of those things are so important. But then there's this community aspect, Right, so something that we talk about the the Greek word for community, kononia, this fellowship, the way that you are with other people, it is a really important aspect, right? And then there is the aspect of your interaction with the world, right? So w- w- if we're aligned with rightness then we are going to kind of behave differently in this world. We're going to be aligned with, 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 with justice, with love. We, 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 we're going to look at this world and we're going to see that this world doesn't quite reflect what God really wants and there's broken things and we're going to be uh, hopefully committed to helping to fix those things and helping to be part of the, the, the solution, not the problem, right? We can't fix everything, but we, we can, you know, just be instruments of God, you know, just as much as God wants to do within us. That's so important, right? And friends, we'll get to all of that. There's so so much to it, right? That's why it's a sermon series. We can't get to all of it, but I do want to especially emphasize today the community aspect, right? This level of kingdom building that happens here. I literally mean here, church, right? In your small groups, in your families, right? In your friend groups. Is the kingdom of God there? Guys, just take for a moment just to think about what we said about the kingdom, right? Like, just imagine if God is king, right? Imagine God has a crown, right? He's got the robe, he's got the scepter, and what God says goes. God's will be done. What if that were true in your relationships? If God's will would be perfectly reflected in your relationships, what would your relationships look like? Maybe some of you guys are dating someone. What would your dating relationship look like if God ruled in that? What about your family life in your interactions with your parents or with your kids if you have them? You know, if God truly ruled and God's will be done, how would you talk to them? (laughs) When your kids are running late for school, (laughs) what would your tone be like? Right? All of these things. At church, when we show up, and we're feeling like a little bit anxious because, I don't know, there's somebody that you just don't know very well, or there's other people that maybe, I don't know, you got some beef with. Um, I'm going to use a Korean word because I just think it's funny. You got gogi. It just means meat, right? You got gogi with them. You got beef, right? There's, there's, <laughs> there's like something between you with them, and it's just not right, right? Like, and, and you just feel uncomfortable. What if God reigned there? God's got the crown. God's got the scepter. His will be done. What would our churches look like? Right? That's what we want to talk about. And it's not just to imagine that, but how do we live into that? Because, you know, so many people can, like, like I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of times we think about, you know, what you might consider a perfect church. And, I mean, we're not, right? I, I mean, we're human beings. We're going to bring all of that stuff, all of that anxiety, All that fear, all of our our self-absorption, right? All of our problems, you're going to bring it to church, and you're going to bring it into your families, and you're going to bring it into your relationships. How can you not, right? And so, friends, the, the question is, then how can imperfect people like us, how can we experience the kingdom of God in church, right? When so many of us are broken. Probably some of you guys... You know, you're hearing this message, and you're like, okay, I I know where Pastor Steve is going with this, but if I'm being really honest, I've been really hurt at church. Some of you might have trauma. I do. I have a lot of trauma from church. When I was growing up, um, I was uh, uh, ninth grade when my church split. And it was just like one Sunday, half the church wasn't there. And for some reason, a good chunk of my friends... Like, their parents went to the other church, you know, and it was so painful. And I remember, like, I was, like, crying and yelling at my parents because they were one of the peoples who wanted, uh, who were, like, kind of, like, didn't really like the current pastor, you know, and they they were kind of, like, I think probably, they didn't tell me this, they are probably kind of glad to see them go. And I was just yelling at my mom and dad. I was like, how can this be? How, how, how can you guys treat each other like this? And they're like, well, Steve, you just don't understand. You know, like when you grow up, like you will understand some of these things more. And I'm like, what's there to understand? We're Christians. Aren't we supposed to love each other like Jesus? And I, I, I kid you not, it's the first time my parents didn't have anything to say in response. Like, like I mean, I, I didn't gloat in that. But they were just like, no, you're right. <laughs> And, and just, I, I was like, what is this? It's supposed to be church. We're supposed to be better than that, right? And friends, I, I do realize all of these things are realities. And so we don't want to dismiss that. But I do want to just extend this hope, okay? We're, we're going to look at this passage, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about how we can live into this kingdom reality more. We're not going to do it perfectly. I'm just going to warn you, right? Uh, until the day that God sees fit to move me on from LGM this church will not be perfect. You guys know that, right? We're not going to be perfect. We'll never get it perfectly, but I think we can do it better, right? Amen. I think I think we can do it a little bit better by God's help, by the Holy Spirit, and you know, let, let, let's be open to that truth of what God wants to do. Okay, so friends, I, I just wanted to kind of open. I, I know we read this uh, passage in Hebrews. We'll get to that in a second, but. Uh, I've been very, very influenced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer in this little book. It's a fantastic book uh, called Life Together. I, I, I try to read it like once uh, every year or two. Um, and I just read it again recently. And it's so convicting. And he starts uh, the book with this scripture. Behold how good and pleasant it is, it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. And and so that's like kind of the whole premise Of his book. It's good. It's really good. Behold how good it is when we are able to live together in the unity of Christ, right? We're able to live all together, not separate, but unified. And this second part, I just wanted to uh, include. uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer doesn't quote this part, but I just thought it was kind of cool. And I didn't really know what it means, and so I would just include it. It is like the precious oil on the head. I know what that means, that anointing is a sign of God's blessing. When a new king would be picked, they would anoint them with oil. And so, yeah, it's blessing, right? But for me, this imagery, it's so graphic. Running down on the beard, On the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes—it's <laughs> so messy, and you know, like, like, like—I I don't know. I just imagine—I don't know why—I imagine like warm oil, you know, and it's just like getting everywhere. But friends, I, I bet for people, you know, who understood this imagery that anointing is the blessing of God. Can you just imagine? The blessing is just getting everywhere, right? It's getting into your beard, and it's like on your robe, and you don't care. It's like blessing get everywhere. Just soak me, right? It's so good. It's so good. It's like the best. I know that maybe not sound the best, but it it is what it is. It's an interesting image, right? But friends, I think, I think, man, you know, without getting too gross, ah, <laughs> but don't you want that kind of blessing just everywhere? You know? How good it is! How good it is! And, and so, friends, um, yeah, it, it, when, when we see how we can have this kind of unity, um, this passage in Hebrews, it's gonna get there, but it doesn't start with our unity. It actually starts with the work of Christ, right? And so, Hebrews 10 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, okay? We're gonna kind of unpack that a little bit. It's talking about this idea. A lot of Hebrews, it uses this imagery of priests. and, And the idea was that uh, for the people of Israel, when you sinned, your sins separated you from God. You couldn't even really enter into the holy places of God. And by the way, there was the most holy place. So holy, in fact, that only one person could go in there one time a year on the day of atonement, right? The high priest could enter what they call the holy of holies. And this was separated by a curtain Right. And so, friends, throughout the history of Israel, they always felt this distance between them and God. God is way up there and we're way down here because we're sinful. And yes, you can approach and you do the appropriate sacrifices and you are the people of God. Right. And so you can get closer. Right. You get a little bit closer. Right. But you can't get too close. You can't get too close because God is just holy and you are not. But this is the amazing thing, and this imagery gets used sometimes, right? Because notice what it said. We have confidence to enter the holy places. What are the holy places, plural? You go into the temple, and they have this outer uh, court. They call it the court of Gentiles. Anyone can go there, right? And that's actually where they sell, like, you know, they would sell the sacrifices, whatever. And when Jesus was clearing out the temple, it's very interesting. He's clearing it out, probably in the court of Gentiles. And probably the people are like, what the heck, man? This court of Gentiles, no big deal. And he's like, this is a holy place too, right? But that was not considered a very holy place. Anyone could go there. And then there would be like another place you could go into, right? And you kept getting closer and closer until you got to the very center. And that was the most holy place. So when the writer of Hebrews is talking about holy places, you know, Jewish people, they know exactly what he's talking about. They're like, "Holy places plural? Not just like the inner court, but I think you're talking about the Holy of Holies." And what clinches it is the fact that he says by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, right? The curtain is what separates the inner sanctum of the Holy of Holies. And so it's very clear that this is now open. Do you guys remember when Jesus died that we are told that there was an earthquake And that the curtain ripped inside of the temple from the the top to the bottom, right? And I've I've said this before. The reason why it's top to bottom, because only God could do that. Man would rip from the bottom up, right? Because we're short. But God can do it from the top down, right? And the imagery is very clear. God is making a way. We didn't make the way. We didn't rip the curtain. We're not like God. We're getting close to you. God said, come close to me. You're not worthy of coming close to me. You're too sinful. But by the blood of Jesus, you can come in. And we have to understand that. We have to understand the gravity of that. Or we will never understand the great privilege and honor of drawing close to God. And we're going to treat it like we mostly do treat it. (laughs) Like it's just, you know, something kind of nice. You you just got to have extra time. If I had some extra time on a Sunday? Oh, I got up early today. Oh, well, while I'm awake, you know what? I'm going to go to church. You know? But if you're too busy, if you're too stressed, if you've got too much stuff going on, you're like, no, mm, oh, i got to study. I've got to do me, right? You've got to understand. I'll just, you know, I'll catch Pastor Steve later, you know, on YouTube, you know? And, and friends, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, criticize anyone, but I'm just saying that in this day and age, we treat it so lightly This idea of coming close to God. We don't see how great a thing this is that God did for us. And that he opened this way through his flesh, right? Through him dying for us, through this sacrifice. And since we have a great priest over the house of God... Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, the sprinkling, they would take blood and they would sprinkle it. It was the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed for you and they would sprinkle it just so you would know, right? I mean, you didn't have to die, but that blood is getting on you, right? And the blood, it gets on the altar and it's because of that blood that your sins have been paid for. Right, And so we can draw near to God, right? And so friends, as we are drawing near to God, we're told uh, uh, just some extra things. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is a shift. All of a sudden, we shifted from like, oh, I get to draw near to God, right? It, like, that's so awesome. And then it's like, okay, now stir... Like, spur each other on with good works. Encourage them. Edify them. Encourage them. Right? And so you might be wondering, well, why is this? Um, Can I get two people who are not afraid of uh, being, like, in kind of, like, a little closer contact? (laughs) You're pretty confident in your immune system. Can I get two people? I see Tay and Che. (laughs) Tay and Che. It rhymes. Tay and Che. Come up here. All right. So, guys... Now, we are just normal people, just living it up in Michigan, right? We're living in our own places. Uh, che, where do you live? Like, not exactly. Don't give us our exact address. Right? Home home or... no. Choose one. Choose one. Don't, don't matter. Like, you choose home home. Maryland, right? Okay. <laughs> and, and, Tay, what about you? Novi. He lives in Novi. And I live in Pittsfield Township. It's just a little bit outside of Ann Arbor, right? So we live, right? We're, we're not that close to each other. I mean, Che, like would really be like outside, right? He's like really far. But, you know, we're, we're not super close. So guys, get, su- so, th- so this is, you know, this is God, right? But we're kind of like, physically, we're far from God, right? But as we understand what Jesus did for us, what happens? We start drawing closer to Christ. The podium is Christ. So guys, get closer to Christ. Get closer to Christ, get closer to Christ, get really close to Christ, because, like, right? The, the curtain has been torn and there's no separation. Guys, look, look at what's, what, what's happened. What's happened? I love you guys. All right, you guys can have a seat. Good job, good job. Yeah, <laughs> thank you guys. <laughs> so, friends, as we draw closer to Christ, you saw it is just inevitable there's gonna be other people with you. As you're drawing closer to Christ, you must draw closer to other people. As you receive the love of God, you must learn to love. Because we think of love as a gift. But I think of love, and I think the Bible thinks of love as a river or an ocean. And so you think of love as like, oh, okay, give me your love. Thank you for, for my love, and uh, the, the love, and, and I will enjoy it. And if, if I'm feeling generous, I'll give you a gift back. right? And we think, like that gift is for me, I can do whatever I want with it. That's not the way it gets described in the Bible. In the Bible, it's an ocean. You're sinking in it, you're swimming in it. And in order for you to be in that flow, right? Like if the, the, the love is flowing into you, it must also flow out of you, right? Like it's just, you're, you're just in love. Receiving love, but also giving love. It's all the same love, right? And so if you've selfishly received love and then you don't love in return, you really didn't understand love in the first place, right? It's like somebody um, getting like an ocean of water and you just keep trying to drink it. You're like, thank you. Like, yo, it's not all for you, bro. Just swim in it. Just enjoy it and let it flow, right? Invite other people to this ocean, right? And so inevitably, as we draw closer to Christ, we must draw closer to one another. You're going to see other people there, right? And so we see that. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So friends, you know, the idea of community, it's not new, right? And, and all of us, like, we want it, right? I, I mean, I hope we want it. I hope if COVID didn't teach you anything, <laughs> I hope you learned. At, like, you, you know, that we, sometimes we're slow learners. We needed to learn that we cannot live by ourselves, right? It's torture. Living in isolation, it feels like you're you're just being rejected continually. And that is not the way you were created. You were created to be with other people, right? And so friends, we all want it. And you don't need to get community in church, right? You guys know this. But what makes the community of Christ different? Guys, what makes the community of Christ different than any other community, right? Right? I'll give you a hint. I already told you. What makes the community of Christ different than any other community? What makes the community of Christ different than the community of Steve? Or the community of, I don't know, um, I just was talking to someone about this before, like, like you know, K, KSA or whatever. <laughs> like, what makes it different than the community of, you know, I don't know, like, just people who just really like each other and really like hanging out together? What makes it different? It's the community of Christ. Christ is what makes it different, right? And so, friends, uh, the thing that Bonhoeffer would talk about is that whenever you approach another person in the community of Christ, it is always mediated. There's always someone in between you. Do you guys notice when Che, uh, Tay, and myself, we were trying closer, right? But you noticed that the podium was always between us. We got super, super close, right? But Christ was always here. And that is what must happen in the community of Christ. That's what makes it different. And that's one of the really special things about the community of Christ. Because how are you able to draw close to Christ? Because you are awesome? Because you're like this great person and you look really good and you know, you're really funny? No. What brought, brings you close to Christ is Christ himself. His blood makes the wave for you. All of us are welcome to come. And so in the church, you get people who are welcomed to come into this community, right? All of us can be there, and we don't have to qualify. We don't need to be perfect. In fact, often we're not. And so Bonhoeffer talks about this. In churches, we often mistake our idea for church for the community of Christ. We think a church has to be perfect, our definition of perfect. Oh, well, people need to talk this way. People need to be this nice. People need to be like super welcoming. And some of those things are not bad things. I want those too, right? But Bonhoeffer says, what makes a community of Christ is not that people are really nice. It's Christ. That's it. It's the fact that Christ mediates those relationships. And we're just welcome to come. Honestly, what makes the community of Christ is the open door that is created by the blood of Christ. Amen? You're all welcome. You can all come near, and you come with that confidence. Now, some of you are not super confident of that. You don't fully know the love of God. You don't fully feel the weight of what Christ has done for you. That's why we're here. As we feel that more, we are drawn more. Get closer. Get closer. Come closer. Come. And as you're getting closer, there's going to be these other people with you, right? Right? And we get this chance now to encourage them and to bless them and to experience the community of Christ here. I want to show you just what what, um, Bonhoeffer said because he says it so much better than me. You guys can take a snapshot of this or you can look it up. Life uh, Together, it's a very short book. But he says, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is true not merely at the beginning, as though in the course of time something else were to be added to our community. It remains so for all the future into all eternity. So, not just you came close because of Christ, but now I just really like you, and like our kids are the same age, and you know, we just have a lot of interest together. It's like that's all fine and good, but what binds you together consistently until the end of eternity? Do you guys know this, right? This isn't just community for four years when you're in college or during your time in Michigan. This is community forever, for eternity. And what binds you together is Jesus and what he has done for us. Right? And says, and remains so for all of the future into all eternity. I have community with others, and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ. But through Christ, we do have one another holy for eternity. Man, he puts it so well. And this idea that it's going to keep getting better, right? We're going to keep learning how to be more genuine in our love, uh, the the, the love that we allow from God to get within us, and then the love that we allow to flow out from us, right? We're going to learn how to do that. And friends, you know, I mean, just think about the idea of kingdom. You know, we've been saying the kingdom of God is something you can experience here and now within you, But in a kingdom, I mean, you know, you guys have probably seen movies and stuff where there's a king, and they have lots of subjects, right? And we have to learn how to live in this community with each other. And friends, what I hope is that church will become increasingly a place where you can experience that. It's not going to be perfect. Please do not misunderstand me. But more and more, we will learn how to love one another. We'll also learn how to forgive each other, because we're not going to be perfect. There's going to be times you're going to need to forgive each other. And that's going to be part of the process of building the kingdom too, right? And we have that shared understanding. We're here because of Christ. Sometimes you might come to church and you're like, well, I really don't like this person, right? But if you understand the community of Christ, you'll say, okay, I don't like you, but I'm here because of Christ. (laughs) And hopefully as I draw near to Christ, I'm going to start to let this guard down a little bit. I'm going to start to let you in more, right? And friends, to experience this kind of place where you really can experience that kind of love. Friends, I just want to key in on what it says here. Um, yeah, so friends, you know, it's this idea: do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We gotta learn how to do this. And friends, you know, last week, uh, we mentioned this, this great passage, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, and we use this picture to show people who are really heavy burdened. And maybe some of you, that's you. But friends, maybe one of the ways that we learn to lessen that burden is by letting other people carry it too. Jesus will carry it, right? You can let it down before Christ. But in a very tangible sense, the way that we can experience Christ and that caring is through other people. And so, friends, that's why it says, um, it says, uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as if they were you, right? This is what Jesus did for us. And so when we do that, friends, we're not doing it just because we're nice. We're not doing it because we want a nice church. We're doing that because the love of Christ is flowing out of us. We are representatives of Christ. We are Christ to one another. How are you going to experience Christ? You're going to experience it through one another. Yes, there are times in great prayer and worship where I experience God. It's wonderful. But another really wonderful thing and a very tangible thing is how you experience the love of Christ Through one another, how we learn to carry each other's burdens, how we learn to listen to each other, how we learn to show up for each other, right? And friends, so much of that is just learning to show up. I'm going to say something that I don't mean to like make anyone feel bad by any means, but I'm just saying this is the reality we live in. A lot of times now showing up is optional. (laughs) We live in a world now like, like this isn't the world three years ago. The world three years ago is like, you better come to work right? You got to come to this physical location in this team. You got to look me in the eye. That's not the world we live in anymore. We got Zoom, right? We have remote work, right? We have remote church. And friends, I don't think these things are necessarily bad, but I think that maybe within us, we're starting to foster, and I think this has been going on for a while, this idea that meeting together is optional. It's kind of nice once in a while, but sometimes I get busy, like we said. And sometimes I actually just don't feel like it, right? And so th- then, you know, for some of us, we're like, yeah, I just, I just ah, you know, Michigan its so cold. It's so cold outside. The weather is bad. The roads are icy. My bed is so warm, right? And, and so, you know, even back then in biblical times, right, the writer of Hebrews says, do not neglect meeting together. Because, friends, if we are going to be Christ to one another, one of the most important things is you got to be there right? It's one of the most important things. When I learned uh, pastoral counseling, the, the main thing that they taught me was what they called the ministry of presence. And this changes the way I minister. Because I used to think like when I show up to minister to someone, I have to have like something great to say. Maybe this is the way you guys feel, You go to a small group and you're like, I feel so stupid. I don't know what to say. I don't know any of the answers. Or maybe even the small group leaders, you feel like that. Someone's sharing and you're like, "Ah, how do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? You know, and you're just petrified. And this is the thing that I've learned. The majority of ministry is just be Christ to the other person. Through you and your presence and your humility. Remember last week we talked about one of the most important things in you learning how to live in the kingdom is just come to Jesus. We said it sounds so simplistic. Just learn how to come to Jesus. And now I'm gonna to add to that. Now learn how to come to one another. Just be you. Just be vulnerable. Just be there, right? And let Christ work through you. It's seriously, it's not rocket scientists. And so many of us are scared that we're not gonna get it right. That's okay. And we're going to forgive each other, okay? (laughs) We have the blood of Jesus. We have an eternity to work this out. But we got to learn the habit of meeting together. When I was uh, serving at this other church, St. Matthew's, older church, a lot of older people, uh, there was this this guy there, um, this older gentleman, his name was Dean. And his wife uh, had um, dementia. And I think there's some other things going on. Uh, She's just like, she was always like very, very shaky, and from the time that I met her, uh, she had very severe dementia. And so she had a very hard time talking and remembering. She, I, I don't think like half the time she remembered me. Um, and during the time I was there, uh, Dean was one of a few people in Bible study. Um, we had like maybe five people in Bible study. And um, one day came the day where Dean's wife died. And that day, uh, after I found out, it probably, I, I don't know if it happened in the night or early morning, but the first day that I found out was the day we were supposed to meet for Bible study. We were actually supposed to meet at Dean's house. And so I called Dean and I said, Dean, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Dean, you know what? We don't need to meet tonight. You know, hey, just, just we'll pray for you, right? Like, like, you know, in a couple weeks, if you're feeling better, just let us know. He's like, Pastor Steve, uh, with all due respect, I really don't want to be alone tonight. Can you guys come? I was like, yeah. And I'm I'm sitting there, like, you know, as I'm driving to Dean's house, I call up all the other Bible study members. I'm like, hey, Dean wants us to come. They're like, really? Like, yeah. He, He said he really wants us to be there. And I'm driving. I'm like, what do I say? What do I say? How do you do Bible study on a day like this? And so we got there, and I just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me and just say, tell the stories. Tell the stories. And so I was like, hey, guys, instead of Bible study tonight, let's just tell stories about Dean's wife. And that's what we did. And, I mean, I, I don't remember, you know, any of the Bible studies that I did <laughs> during that time. It was, like, eight years ago. You know, I, I don't remember any of them. I, I don't even remember, like, what the general topic was. <laughs> but I remember that night. And it was a holy moment. And every single person, I mean, you know, we're crying, we're laughing, we're hugging. And last year, actually, uh, just just a few months ago, uh, Dean passed away. It's been eight years since I've been at that church. Dean asked me to do his funeral. His kids told me that he asked for me specifically. It's been eight years since I've been at that church. There have been three pastors since me. And he asked me to do the funeral. Why? Not because I gave great sermons like, like Dean never said anything about my sermons. I don't even remember my own Bible studies from eight years ago. I'm sure he didn't. I suspect a lot of it is because of that Bible study that night. That we were just there. I didn't have any great things to say. We were just there. And we bore Christ to one another. And we bore each other's burdens. Friends, what kind of church do we want? That's the kind of church I want, the church of Christ, where we can be Christ to one another in all of our imperfections, in all of our grief, right? And friends, we're not going to be perfect at it. Sometimes we hear a message like this and we, we just hear, I haven't been sharing enough in small group. Friends, let's just get rid of that guilt, okay? Just be yourself. If you're not ready to share everything 100%, then don't share everything 100%. Just show up, right? And just be open. And just let Christ minister to you and then ask this question, how can I be Christ to other people in this room? That's it. Can you imagine what our churches would look like? Can you imagine what our fellowships would look like? Can you imagine what our families would look like? Would you, can you imagine what our relationships would look like? If all of us, we had that question, we had that prayer in our hearts, how can I be Christ to you today? How can I bear your burdens a little bit more? And any of the burdens that I'm carrying, I'm going to bring them before Jesus and know that I have an open curtain that I can come to Christ. And I can do all of this because Christ loved me first. We're going to close with communion because that's so fitting, right? And what communion is, is an open table that Jesus invites us to. Did you know that a lot of scholars believe the early church did not center around what I'm doing right now? It centered around this. And I'm sorry, uh, we've actually tried doing like dinner church before (laughs) where we would have communion at, at, at a meal and it was just a little too much for us. We weren't ready for it. Maybe we'll get there someday. But I actually think that's the way early church was, that people were just sitting around, they're laughing and they're sharing and they're crying and they're just eating a meal together with their friends in Christ and they're being Christ to one another And friends, what Jesus told us is that we can come to this table not because of what we've done, not because we like each other and we have similar interests, but because of what Christ has done. And so in the United Methodist Church, we observe what we call open communion. And it simply means that you're all welcome to come, right? Even if you're not baptized in this church or whatever, right, we just believe that what earns you the right to come to this table is what Jesus did, exactly what it says in Hebrews, right? And so, friends, I want to just uh, pray over these elements that they can become to us the body and blood of Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we have this open table and that we have this opportunity for us to draw near to you, God. Thank you for the body. Thank you for the blood. That we just pray this bread and this cup can become to us symbolically, but in a way that we can really embody, Lord, that it can become a part of us that it can become your body, your blood, your sacrifice, your love that you are pouring out. And God, it's coming into us. It's becoming a part of us, God. And we're all welcome to this table and you're teaching us, Lord, about union. You're teaching us about love. You're teaching us about fellowship, God. And thank you, Lord, that this comes no strings attached. Thank you, God, that this comes because of your gracious invitation and not because of our worthiness. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.